Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sort of Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that's all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 201 of Sorta Awesome. You know, that means that we are fully in summer mode. And if you are anything like me, then all of your systems kind of go offline during summer vacation. It's easy to lose track of things. We do not want you to lose track of Sorta Awesome. So just so you know, we're going to continue to have brand new episodes throughout this summer. We don't want you to miss a thing. So make sure you're following us over on Instagram. We always post new episodes over there and we find a way to work in some funny memes and awesome thoughts. And of course, we have our weekly Friday Awesome of the Week thread. So if you haven't already, please do. Come and find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Okay, this is episode 201, and this week I am so excited to tell you that we're kicking off a new series for the summer. It's called the Sorta Awesome Stories Series. That's a lot of S's, you guys. <laughs> All of 2019, we are focusing on how awesomes know how. And if there's one thing that we've learned in the first half of 2019, it's that many of you have learned some amazing things through your life experiences. So we put out a call to our superstar awesomes. Those are the awesomes who support Sorta Awesome every month at $5 through Patreon. And we're going to be featuring some of their stories with all of you over the summer while I'm on my maternity leave. I am super excited to kick things off this week with Colleen Cook. Colleen is a devoted awesome and she works full-time at Vinyl Marketing a digital marketing agency in the small town of Ashland, Ohio. She's married and has three daughters under the age of six. Colleen, hello and welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hey Meg, I'm so, so psyched to be here. So excited. You're the perfect person to kick off this Sorta Awesome story series, I think, because your story is really filled with different pivots, maybe even some unexpected pivots that you've taken along the way. You know, we like to talk about pivots here. Sort of we do awesome. like to pivot. I actually went back and listened to an episode. I think it was episode 125 that you and Kelly did at the end of 2017, all about pivoting today. So yes, I've got all my pivot jokes ready. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I know you're going to throw in some thoughts and wisdom about the Enneagram too. And you know, we just can't stop talking about that around here. I could literally talk all day. <laughs> Okay, well, we are going to get to Colleen's story here in just a few minutes. But first, we are going to go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. You all know this is the moment in the show where we take just a minute to tell you what is awesome in our lives right now, whether it's books or TV shows, movies, podcasts, products, whatever is making life just a little bit better. So, Colleen, what did you bring for your Awesome of the Week? Let me just soak that in. That's a big deal, Meg. I've dreamed of you asking me. <laughs> really hard to decide what to bring for this just seriously because I listen to this show and I have for years and so every Friday I, in Boxer I share with my friends you know what my awesome of the week is 
Oh my but gosh, this I love has got to be like the real one, right? Like this has got to be the this one. This is your official one. Yes, you get one <laughs> so chance, this no my, pressure. <laughs> this is my official awesome of the week. I had a whole list of like, what could it be? So here's what I landed on. For Christmas last year, my husband got me the most awesome thing. And it's the five second journal by Mel Robbins. And oh. if you're not familiar with Mel Robbins, she's a pretty well-known motivational speaker and author. I love Mel Robbins. She had an awesome TED talk a few years ago called the five second rule. Yes. And it's just all about, yes, about not stopping yourself from taking actions that are good for you, that are productive, that are helpful for you, because in five seconds, you will talk yourself out of those things. So like not hitting the snooze button in the morning, which I'm still working on, but <laughs> getting there. So, but she wrote this journal and it's a guided journal. I love it because I'm not really like, I'm a digital person. I'm not an analog okay. person. And so I'm not like a planner person. I don't bullet journal, but this is such a fast morning ritual for me because it starts my day with some really great questions. It starts with how I'm feeling. I'm an ENFJ on Myers-Briggs. So I'm a feeler and I wake up with emotion. <laughs> and so for me, having something that starts with how I'm feeling and then working my way through to what I need to be doing, that's what it does. So it starts with a gauge up at the top left saying, how do you, today I feel, and you just mark how you feel on the gauge from depleted to energized and ask you why. And then it says to feel more energized, I can, and you write down an idea for how you might feel more energized. So today I just wrote, I can go laugh with some of my coworkers. And then it says, what is your top project today? And why does it matter to you? And what's one small action you can take to move it forward? And then it moves into a gratitude practice. And for me, every day, that is just transformative because I get all of my emotion out. I get all of my stress out on the page. And then I shift my mindset to gratitude and I just feel different. And it takes like a minute to do this. And it's massive. And so then at the end, it says, today I will stop working at. And I was just in preparation for the show. I was watching a quick video she made about this. And she talked about Parkinson's law. Have you ever heard of this? I don't think so. Huh? Okay. Parkinson's law is that work expands to fill the time allotted. So if you're a procrastinator, most people are, that's probably because you've given yourself too much time to do something. But when something has a minimal amount of time, you hurry up and get it done. It feels urgent. Right. So with this is when I set an intention to stop working at 5 p.m., I'll make sure I get everything done. But if I set the intention for 11 p.m., and some days that's what happens, then that's how much the time will take, you know? Yes, I absolutely know. I'm like, I didn't really know there was really like an official rule for that. But yes, that's the story of my life. <laughs> this is real. So, and then the right side of the page is just a blank page where you can brain dump or plan your day or do what you need to do. But it has been such a helpful practice for me. My husband got it for me for Christmas, but it's $20 on Amazon. It's, it's like super reasonably priced. Every page set is the same and it's not dated. So you can use it for as long as you need to. If you're like me and you're not great at doing things every single day, you don't feel guilty because there's that right. day you, have to you missed. Yeah. <laughs> Truly an awesome of my life. That is so good. I love Mel Robbins. She's amazing. I have seen her TED talk. And then also she did an audible original yes. that came out a while Kick back. Kick-ass. Yes. It's so good. If you are like, you know, maybe I should try therapy or life it's coaching. It's like free therapy. It is. It really is like free therapy because she sits down with different people and they talk through their story and where they're kind of like hitting friction points and how they can't move past certain things. And she sits down with them and like, I'm getting chills thinking about it again, because it is, she uncovers things in people's lives. She's both very blunt with people, but also highly compassionate. Yes, super empathetic. Yes, definitely. And she shares parts of her life story and things that she has had to work through in a very vulnerable way. It is amazing. If you're looking for something for your summer audible listening, I Absolutely. highly recommend Kickass. It is fantastic. I'll put a link to that in the show notes along with the five second journal that you have, because yes, that sounds really transformative. Truly awesome. It's truly awesome. So great. So great. Okay, well, my awesome of the week is a Facebook group that's not this sort of awesome hangout. <laughs> I'm going to point you somewhere else on Facebook. It's a Facebook group called Houseplant Hobbyist. Now, sometimes you guys, when I bring things to awesome of the week, because <laughs> unlike Colleen, who's over here, like I have one chance, I have one shot at awesome of the week. I have to <laughs> think of something every week. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but sometimes I'll bring something that I'm like, I don't think anybody else has heard about this. 
That is not the case with Houseplant Hobbyist. It has right now, as we're recording, over 200,000 members in it. <laughs> oh, my word. Please tell me you turned off your notifications. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes, it is not one that you want to really get notifications on. It moves very quickly. But here's the thing. Ever since Rebecca shared on Sort of Awesome, and I cannot remember what episode this was in, but I feel like it was maybe towards the end of last year, she shared that you can buy life plants on Amazon. Right. That totally changed my life. (laughs) You became a plant mom. You, Daisy was just telling me a few weeks ago. That's how I became a plant mom. (laughs) So I really have enjoyed doing the houseplant hobby thing for a little while. I was so convinced that I had a black thumb, that I couldn't grow plants, that I didn't know what I was doing, that I just for years did not even try. Because you can buy life plants on Amazon, it felt a little bit more low stakes for me to even try it. First of all, I wouldn't have to go through the intimidation of walking into a nursery and basically being like, I'm completely ignorant. I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) This is me. I don't buy houseplants. (laughs) Keep going. Convince me. It's a little intimidating, right? But on Amazon, nothing. <laughs> yeah, on Amazon, there's no judgment. You put something in your cart, you buy it, and then magically it comes to your house, all packaged and ready for you to just open and put it into your own planter. It's truly it's alive. I don't understand how. Many- I don't know if it's just the fact that they can ship it in two days, and for some magical reason, through packaging and the way they've watered the, the plant. Of Amazon. Yes, I know, but they're fully alive. I have not had a bad experience yet with ordering off of Amazon for live plants. So that got me started in it. But then I really realized I was missing a lot of the education component of it. Like really, truly, how do I care for this particular plant? What plants work best in what situations? We have a lot of windows in our house, but they're facing all different directions. So I have some places where I might like to put a plant that are super low light and then some that are going to get a ton of light. Anyway, this Facebook group is so helpful. It is filled with people that are like, truly intensely serious about their plans. That is awesome. It really is. It's so much fun. These are the people I need in my life. Yes, they really are. And they're very supportive. You can ask all kinds of questions in there. I don't even really post in there very often. I have just learned so much from reading other people's threads, asking for advice or making suggestions like this particular plant works really well in my bathroom because there's not a lot of light, but there is a lot of humidity. These types of things that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. It's pretty good to put a plant in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yes. So anyway. Okay, I'm seriously going to join us. Yeah, it's a great group. Like I said, it is very busy. So it's not one that you want to like, you know, like you said, have notifications on for. It moves really quickly. But there is a wealth of information. And I've really learned a lot from it. It really has been my awesome first several weeks now. That is super awesome. I can't wait to hear like as you pivot into this new season, like how that fits into like and and how that will become part of your practice. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Okay, you guys. So those are our awesomes of the week. We will have links for all of that stuff in the show notes for this episode. Don't forget that if you have not joined us on Instagram, like I said, at the top of the show, we would really love for you to join us over there to talk about your awesome of the week every Friday. And of course, we do this in our sort of awesome hangout group. It's a longstanding tradition for everybody to kind of come together on Friday morning and share what is awesome in life right now. So if you haven't joined us over there, we would love to have you at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Awesomes, it's summer. I know you want to be dressed cute, but also ready to rock any adventure that comes your way. And that's why I want to send you right on over to fabletics.com slash awesome to check out all of the amazing activewear they have waiting for you there. Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone. So whether you're headed out for a big hike or a bike around the neighborhood, Fabletics has you covered. They carry gymwear suitable for any type of workout. It's your one-stop shop for affordable gymwear and all of their designs are totally unique. Fabletics wants to show you that awesome love. So they are offering you guys two leggings for $24. It's a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP, when you go to fabletics.com slash awesome. Two leggings, $24, free shipping on orders over $49. And there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. Fabletics leggings are exactly what you need to get into the zone of being comfortable and cute, whether you're working out from home or working up a sweat at the gym. 
So go sign up to be a VIP with Athletics. You're going to get 50% off a regular pricing and instant access to their latest collections. If you are all about trendy and affordable gym wear, you got to go to fabletics.com slash awesome. Again, you're going to get two leggings for $24. There's no commitment to purchase monthly, and there's free shipping on all orders over $49 at fabletics.com slash awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Awesome. Do you know that Lola is one of my favorite companies out there? I super love that it is founded by women for women. Lola understands when it comes to our monthly feminine care, we do not want to be guessing about what chemicals we are putting on or inside our body. And that's why Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. And Lola is all about making your month a little easier with their subscription. It's fully customizable. You can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, the number of boxes, and the frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. Lola offers pads, liners, and both BPA-free plastic applicator tampons or environmentally friendly non-applicator tampons. And now Lola also offers cleansing wipes that are safe for use anywhere on the body. They are the first biodegradable, all-natural wipe of their kind, perfect for a midday refresh. They're individually packaged and perfect for on the go. They're gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic. I've been using Lola products for years. I wouldn't trust the health of my body or the health of my daughter's body to anyone else. So if you want to get in on all the awesome of Lola, you can get 40% off of all subscriptions when you go visit mylola.com and enter awesome 40 when you subscribe. So again, go to mylola.com, enter the code awesome, A-W-E-S-O-M-E, and the number 4040 when you subscribe for 40% off of all subscriptions. Thank you, Lola. All right, Colleen, we're turning the spotlight on you. Okay. (laughs) I would love for you to just kind of start with laying the foundation for your story, because as you were sharing some of the background of what you have learned through your various life experiences, I was just like, this really is a great deep dive into allowing yourself to be open to the possibility of change, which many of us have some resistance to. I think maybe we're on a spectrum. Some people are like, let's do it. Let's change the next thing. This is true. A friend of mine told me about a test, like a personality test. I'll try and find a link and send it to you for the show notes. Just based on your response to change. Isn't that fascinating? And I found that I had a pretty even kill response, except I always have an emotional, I have a high emotional response to change, but I'm overwise, overall, like pretty open to change, except for I will have an immediate emotional response, even to small changes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think that that is so true. I mean, it's probably a spectrum across people and personalities. And then like you just pointed out within ourselves, we have our varying tolerances for change. Um, But you're somebody who has gone through a lot of changes, particularly in your professional life, but I'm sure in personal life too. So totally, you are now 34 years old and you're also on your fourth career path. I am. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Let's just start at the beginning and start with where you started and how you've gotten to where you are now. Okay. So when I was in high school, I just loved being in choir. And I had a wonderful choir experience. I felt a great sense of belonging there. I loved my choir directors. And so when I went to college, I decided I wanted to teach music like they had because it had been super impactful on my life. And that's what you do when you're in high school. So you pick the thing that you feel good at and that you feel like you love and you do it. So I went to college for music education and I graduated in 2007 and I got a job right out of college at a small district in Western Ohio. And I was teaching general music and I was teaching choir for grades two through 12. So it was an awesome first job out of college, but I graduated in 2007. Like many people my age, the recession hit and things changed, you know? So I was teaching some private voice lessons at the same time. And in, at the time in Ohio, there was a law that you had to get your master's degree to keep your teaching license within five years of the time you started teaching. So I had already started to look into master's programs because you just did. And I had thought, you know, it would be kind of cool to be able to teach private voice, maybe at a collegiate level at some point. And so I was looking at voice pedagogy programs and pedagogy, if you're not familiar, it's just the science of teaching. So it was the science of teaching voice 
And so I had been looking at graduate schools and I'd been applying and I got into Shenandoah Conservatory in Virginia, but I wasn't sure if I would go or not. Well, in April of my third year of teaching, I got a rift, which if you're a teacher, just means that you were laid off, essentially. It's a reduction in force. And so they cut about 15 teachers in our district. And being an arts teacher, you usually get unlucky in that. And so it's a bummer. I was pretty devastated and it wasn't a a pivot I was looking for uh, to go back to school full time. And it wasn't, you know, I really loved being in the classroom and I had fully thought that I would teach for 30 years. Like I even remember in college when our professors would say things like, you know, the stats are that people, most teachers don't make it 10 years. And I thought, well, it's not going to be me. <laughs> I will destroy that stat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. But in fact, I only taught for three. And so I went to graduate school and started studying voice pedagogy. And I was a research focused grad student. And so rather than being performance focused, which happens a lot with music degrees, I was really making connections in the research side of things. And so, in fact, like I even got to present at like the national conference for that field, which was a big deal. And I had internationally networked. I was really working with some like rock stars in that field. Yeah. And while I was pursuing all that, a friend of mine asked me why I wasn't doing arts administration. And I said, well, because I don't know what that is. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what that is. <laughs> Yes, the short answer is, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) Yeah, she said, well, Colleen, it's the thing that you do all the time and all of the things that you do, and you would get paid to do those things. And I said, it sounds like something I should know more about. So I learned a little bit more about the degree. It's basically a nonprofit management degree. So more of a business degree, and it focuses on arts because arts organizations have some unique challenges that other nonprofits don't in terms of booking artists and rights when it comes to unions and things like that, that most nonprofits don't have to face. And so it's just a more specialized nonprofit management degree. Gotcha. And so at that point, I decided I wasn't going to pivot. I was just going to do both things. And so like the brilliant grad student I was, I decided to do two masters simultaneously. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's not recommended. (laughs) Don't do that. That's a lot to take on. I feel really stressed out just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was too much. Like it was too much to take on. It was a really good lesson for me. Yeah. <laughs> so towards the end of my program, so I was actually in my last semester, I was offered a job at a theater performing arts center in my husband's hometown. And I wasn't finished with school yet, but we decided together that, that was absolutely the thing that we felt like, oh my goodness, like this is the thing we've always said that if that ever happened, we will stop everything and move. So we better do that. And so we stopped everything and moved in two weeks. And so oh my gosh, I finished my degree remotely and I started my job at the Renaissance Theater, which is a lovely historic theater, beautiful place. And two months after starting that job, I got pregnant with our first child. Oh, wow. <laughs> So we embarked on motherhood and home ownership while I was starting a new role. My husband obviously had to get new jobs and a really intense year. And that was 2012 to 2013. So while I was there, I stayed at the Renaissance for six years and I had a couple of different positions while I was there and ended up having two more kids, one of whom was a big surprise to us. And it was all great. And while I was there, a friend of mine started a digital marketing agency and he had approached me a few times about considering joining his team. And I kept saying, no, I do not want to do that. Thank you. Have a nice day. I've had a plenty of change. In fact, I think my actual word to him was, I think my word for the year is stability. <laughs> right. Which totally makes sense. Who could blame you? Seriously. That was the year that we got pregnant with our surprise baby. And <laughs> yeah, it kind of threw it all for a loop. So after a lot of prayer and consideration, ultimately, we felt like this was the right next step. And I'll tell you a little more later about like what that process was like. But I took a job as director of operations for a digital marketing agency where I now spend my time doing digital marketing. I'd done some of that before, but truly, this is a totally new world for me working in a for-profit business, but also, you know, being part of a small business ownership team, working in digital marketing in a realm that I had only dabbled in and doing all sorts of things that were very new for me. So it's just been 
pivot after pivot after pivot from the high school choir kid who just wanted to, you know, be better at choir. (laughs) Right. That is really amazing. And I really love that part of your story is that sometimes you were like actively saying yes to a change, but then sometimes change just comes to you and it's kind of like, well, I guess we're going to do this now. So I think all of us can relate to that experience of sometimes change happens when you are not looking for a change. (laughs) A lot of times, actually. Most of the time, in fact. Yeah, definitely. I just hear in your story such a great alignment, especially as an ENFJ, those strengths of organizing people. ENFJs love to organize people. And so just the fact that you have been able to kind of seek that out in some ways, especially with like your master's program and, you know, really leaning into the administration part of things. And I can see too, even in the marketing realm, that there is a sort of like an organizing of people and people's missions, the mission of brands and those types of things that is going on there. I manage a team too. And so like that is very much a big part of my job is managing our staff and making sure that they are all feeling like they can operate effectively and feel valued. And it has been a totally new adventure, but it's, you're right. It just is absolutely who I was made to be. And just finding that I could be that in so many different roles. It's been amazing, truly. Love that. So Let's think about, and I know that you have thought about actually some of the things that have really stood out to you as takeaways from your experiences that could be applied to lots of our awesomes who are listening. Not all of us are going to have these exact same specific experiences. We're always learning from each other and what we have lived through. So I'd love to talk about what are some of the takeaways that have come to mind for you as you've thought about and reflected on all of these different turns you've taken along the way. Yeah, so I have so many takeaways, but there's a few I want to talk about. The first of which is just being open to your unique journey. And that is harder than it seems because I think we set expectations for ourselves about what our journey should be. And when we look around us and we look at people who we admire or who have been mentors to us and their lines that seem so straight, It's hard to have a curvy line and be open to a curvy line and still call that success. So when I was in graduate school and I decided to take on that second degree, I remember going to my advisor who was very, very dear to me and had been my champion in so many things. And I was prepared to disappoint her when I said this thing to her that felt like I was quitting, you know, and I wasn't in fact, but I wanted her to know I wasn't going to do that. She's a lovely human being and she was in her 70s at that time. And so she had a lot of life and experience behind her and a lot of wisdom. And she said, Colleen, you just have to be open to whatever journey it lays ahead of you. It's you're the only one who will ever do it. And it's going to look unique to you and not like anybody else's. That really has stuck with me over the last decade since she said that to me, because it's absolutely been true is that my journey doesn't look like anyone I know. And it's been really amazing but I might not have been so open to it had she not given me that wisdom. That is so smart. I want to go back to what you said about letting go of expectation and what should happen. I know for myself, one of my biggest pitfalls is I get so tangled up in should. And even in things that can be a really good thing, like one of my biggest struggles really coming to peace with having twins was I thought that I should have a small family. I came from a big family. I wanted to have a small family. And it took me a weirdly, strangely long amount of time to like embrace like this is what's happening. And there's no sense in getting tangled up in and staying tangled up in the should part of expectations. And it was a process that took me a long time to in some therapy to be able to let go of the shoulds that were really keeping me bogged down in so much unhappiness because I was constantly comparing my reality to the should be. And it was really not a great time, honestly. But what's so amazing too is, you know, for me in my faith is how God will take those moments in our life and redeem them in a million different ways, but also how he'll use our journey to help others who are on similar journeys, right? I have a very good friend I talk to on Voxer all the time and she just had her first set of twins. And we talked at length about your journey with twins just because that has set the path ahead of her, you know? So being able to share those journeys and share our stories, I think it's just so important 
not expected to look like anybody else's, you know? It is. And I think that when we can come to a place of being vulnerable and being open about the fact that this was not my expectation, but here is my reality. I do think that that is so encouraging because I think a lot of us hold that. First of all, we may hold our own experiences close to our chest, but then to hear somebody else like come right out and say that is just, it's so freeing to hear that from other people. Yeah, it really is. I think the other thing that like in that same vein of being open to the journey too, is I so often, and I did this in graduate school, I don't want to walk all the way through the doors that open. I want to like keep one foot in (laughs) in the door and one foot in the next door. So this is why I did two master's degrees at once because I wasn't ready to close the door and walk through this new thing. And I find myself at every pivot trying to figure out how can I not have to choose? (laughs) (laughs) Which as an Enneagram 7 doesn't surprise me and we'll get to more of that here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I can do all of the things. (laughs) I mean, when I was leaving the theater and coming to vinyl, it was, I actually had told people, I think I'll join the board, <laughs> which maybe I will at some point. But I mean, in the moment when I'm pivoting to a new season and I have an infant at home, I probably should not right. <laughs> also join a board. <laughs> it's not a good time. I know, but too, also, I think part of it, I know we keep talking about personality stuff, but I just can't help oh, it. That's there. just like my native language. Where I am. I do think for NF types, especially that we are so connection oriented that having to sever a connection, even for a good and positive reason, is so painful that we often do make choices or try to stay connected in some way, whether it is to a person or to an organization, the the process of cutting off a connection it's just so hard for us that we are constantly looking for ways. Like you said, maybe I can still be on the board and I can still see everybody and, you know, keep up with everything that's going on. It may be our inclination, but it's maybe not always the healthiest choice. Oh, you absolutely 100% nailed it. That is 100% it. It's the people. It's always the people, right? Yeah, but totally. you want to split the difference. It's not that I want to do that exact work. I just want to see my friends. So. Yes, exactly. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, One of the things that when we were prepping for the show, you would ask me about is just like how you make those decisions on when to pivot, when it is your choice, you know, when it's not expected. And one of the things that I was thinking about was that how clarity sometimes does come and how sometimes it absolutely doesn't and that you have to decide. And like, for me, there are things that help me. I am an external processor, a hundred percent external processor. And so doing some journaling around a thing or having good conversations with the people that I'm closest with and spending time in prayer really, really help. And sometimes I get clarity on something. But when I came from my last job to my current job, I felt like I kept praying and seeking clarity on whether I should make the move. And it just was not coming. And I was talking it over with my very best friend. And she said, well, Colleen, if God's not giving you clarity, it's probably because he's letting you choose. And I went, oh, yes, that hadn't even occurred to me. (laughs) Yes. Going into that and realizing that there wasn't a wrong decision. I don't know. I guess just thinking that when you come to a pivot point, you always feel like there's a right decision. And if I don't make the right one, my life will be ruined, you know? Yes. But sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there's a good and then there's maybe a better, but it might be riskier. And you just have to trust that you can take the riskier one or be open to whatever that is, you know? I absolutely know. And I know for myself growing up in the sort of evangelical flavor of Christianity, when, and I don't know if this is a thing anymore, but when I was growing up, like, especially when I was in youth group years, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of talk and emphasis on the idea of being in God's will. I think probably because, you know, as you're moving towards like high school graduation and where to go to college, like really big decisions, you are desperately like, I, I want to be in God's will for my life. I just want God's will for my life. I just want God's will for my life. Yes. You're totally right. And then there's this sort of danger of stepping outside of God's will. And it feels so, so high stakes because it's not just a matter of like, what university would be the best fit for who I am and what career path I want? It's like so high stakes because it's like, where does God, the creator of the universe, want me to go to school? Yes. (laughs) Right. He has to told me which one to pick. Exactly. And I remember around that time, as I was really trying to decide 
where to go to school because I had two good choices to choose from. And I just could not figure out what does God want me to do? I remember a friend being like, and he was a few years older than me. And he said, I think actually that sometimes God's will is just like, you just make a choice and you just keep following him regardless of what the choice was, something along those lines. I'm not saying it as well as he did. Oh, that is good. But it was so liberating. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be in trouble with, again, God, the creator of the universe, if I made the wrong choice. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't want you to go to what, Texas or something, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, yes, all of that. I'm sorry, we went off a little side trail there, but just to say, no, this yes. is true. You know, actually, with that side trail, though, and I'm jumping ahead in kind of what I was thinking about with this, but one of the things that's been really helpful to me during the recent pivots has been apophatic prayer. Are you familiar with that practice at all? No, I'm not. <laughs> so apophatic prayer is like a really ancient practice of prayer, but basically it walks you through these phrases where you say, God is not, and it's implying that God is greater than, and then God is not, not. So the liturgists have a guided apophatic prayer out that's several years old. It's called God, Our Mother. Mm -hmm. And so they go through several phrases like God is big. God is not big for God is greater than big. And then God is not, not big, which is hard. It's hard to totally get. Yeah. But I feel like spending time in that has given me permission to know that God is both way bigger than this very big thing for me that it will be fine and also he's small enough to care about which university you go to or which job at the same job I work at you know I'm going to take or whatever the small thing is that I'm really mightily struggling with like God is big enough and small enough for both of those things because God is so big and so present and near you know and so that's been massive for me in terms of like just anchoring me down in those seasons of change. So good. You guys, there is nothing more awesome than looking good and feeling great in clothes that are almost as comfortable as your pajamas. Clothes that are super comfy and also totally work appropriate. That's why I know you're going to love the dress pant yoga pant from Beta Brand. It is wrinkle resistant, which is highly awesome. A four-way stretch Ponty knit fabric. It includes all the pant details you're looking for, like faux zippers, pockets, buttons, belt loops, and it comes in a ton of different shapes and sizes for every taste. You can choose from boot cuts, straight legs, skinny, cropped, and more in all of your standard office appropriate colors like black, navy, gray, and khaki, and they even have some very fun seasonal and limited edition colors that are released monthly. I absolutely love these dress pant yoga pants. You really cannot even believe how comfortable they are. So much more comfortable than your standard workwear pants and truly more comfortable than any pair of jeans I've ever tried on. That's why I'm super loving Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants and I know you guys are going to love them too. So go visit betabrand.com slash awesome to get 20% off of yours. Millions of women agree they're the most comfortable pants you're ever gonna wear to work. That's betabrand.com B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D dot com slash awesome, all lowercase, to get 20% off of your dress pant yoga pants. You guys, now that school is out, it's time to really take the time to be intentional with your own spiritual life and the spiritual growth of your family. That's why I love The Upper Room. The Upper Room is a global ministry where you can join a worldwide community of believers in daily prayer and devotional practice. Every day, readers of The Upper Room around the world read the same story in many different languages and pray the same prayer together. Now that school is out, you can create a daily devotional practice for your whole family, helping to bring you together each day in mindfulness. This daily devotional guide in the community it draws together invites people to listen to scripture as God's personal message, linking their stories to God's story. It also invites you to commune with God in prayer and see your daily choices and small acts of obedience as part of God's work. And it helps us to realize our connection with others as a universal family of believers. The goal at Upper Room is to foster an international community of people and congregations who are seeking God, building a vision of a new life in Christ, nurturing one another by sharing experiences of God's love and guidance, and encouraging one another in Christian action to transform the world. The Upper Room is committed to exploring and communicating a biblically and theologically informed vision of the spiritual life. So go to upperroom.org slash awesome to enjoy a free 
30-day trial delivered right to your inbox every day. You'll also be able to access a wealth of resources with your account at the Upper Room. So go check it out at upperroom.org welcome for your 30-day free trial. All right, what else? So another thing that I think has been really good for me is just recognizing too that when you are in a pivot, it will take a while to find a new rhythm. And it usually takes a lot longer than you think it should. We're back to the shoulds, right? The expectation is that I will find my rhythm and find my way soon. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Everybody's got their daily routine and they've got their stuff going on. But my goodness, like a small change even can upset everything. Remember when my babies all started having purees for the first time? I was so distraught by how many times a day I had to feed these people. It's, it's so a slow. huge change and it takes so long. <laughs> yes. It's so long and it's super unproductive. I'm an ENFJ and this is just inefficient. <laughs> Come on, baby. You are not being efficient here. Get Let's it, get it yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> but I just was distraught by that. But I mean, when you change something like the actual place you work and the times that you're working and all of the things like that, my goodness, it really does throw everything for a loop. And I've been at my job for nearly a year and we are still working it out. And we had some other job changes in our family and my daughter started kindergarten. So we had several big upsets to our rhythm at once. But still, even simple things like I don't have a 30 minute commute anymore. I work two minutes from my house now, which is amazing. But it also means that I am missing so many podcasts I used to listen to, and I'm not answering Voxer messages in the way that I would on that commute. And that has been hard. It's just been hard to find time for that was my time every day, you know, and that charge down at the end of the day to be able to transition back home. So I'm having to figure out what that looks like. I totally get it. Yes. Pivoting is hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In ways that you don't even expect. It's just, it can surprise you. And I think that's such a great point too. It is going to take longer than you think. And you know, when Kelly and I were talking about the, back in May, when we were talking about the, or was it April, whenever it was, the burnout book suggesting that you build into the process, the, whatever the stress thing that you're going through to build in time to complete the cycle. I think the same concept really applies. Build in adjustment time because very rarely are you going to totally adjust and accommodate to something brand new overnight. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I think my other major takeaway has been just how many skills you're building, no matter what you're doing, that will translate into whatever you're called to next, whatever you're doing next. And one of the things that has been so fascinating for me is just how many of those things translate. So for example, I have toddlers and I deal with tantrums so often, which has made me really awesome at dealing with upset people in the workplace. Yeah, I bet it has. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. It is an absolutely like translatable skill. It has been really useful working with clients, working with coworkers, working with patrons. I mean, just in so many different things. And finding more things like that when I pivot has been really huge. In fact, I feel a little like I've been unfair to my college professors when I'm not using my music degree. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who experience career changes feel that way. They almost feel embarrassed to see them because they're not doing the thing anymore that they yes. invested all that time and money in. And I'm so sorry. That doesn't mean you're not successful and happy. It just means that you feel like you set this intention and then you didn't follow through. And it's like embarrassing, right? Yes. Oh, I totally get it. Yeah. So I saw my college music theory professor recently and I said, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm not using this anymore. He goes, Colleen, you're using this every day. I go, what are you talking about? I haven't analyzed a chord in an age. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Colleen, all music theory is, is finding patterns and seeing systems. And that is what you're doing when you're doing marketing strategy. Is it not? I said, oh, pretty much yes. exactly. <laughs> that is what it is. It's exactly what it is. And I'm good at that. He's like, yeah, where do you think you got good at that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. That's brilliant. <laughs> it just permission to give yourself credit for the things. Because for me, and I think what's often true in our business, there are a lot of people who don't have prior experience doing exactly what we do. Imposter syndrome sets in so fast. Mm -hmm. And we just, we struggle to feel like we have permission to fully be where we are. 
and fully learn what we're learning. You know, I feel like if I've been hired to do a job, then I better be an expert at the job. But in fact, everybody's learning as they go or they should be. And so being open to like just acknowledging that those skills have served me in other ways can serve me in new ways in this new place, you know? Absolutely. And sometimes it can be hard to identify that. Sometimes we actually do need someone outside of ourselves, whether it is somebody who knew you as a student or your partner or a best friend or your parent, somebody to just kind of be like, hey, wait a second, you're not giving yourself enough credit that you actually do know how to do this part of this thing. It's absolutely true. So speaking of somebody outside yourself, I think the other, like probably the biggest thing I've taken away and this bit of it, I just want to like this, put a disclaimer and say that this is not an area I am strong. This is an area I struggle mightily. And like, truthfully, I feel a lot of vulnerability about this bit of things because it's just hard after every pivot. Um, And that is just finding your identity in season and knowing who you truly are. That is just tender and it's hard because I think when we introduce ourselves to somebody, we tell them all of these external things about our life. We tell them what we do and who we're married to and if we have children and where we live and all of those things can come and go and can change. And so if we look back 10 years, we were still us, but all of those things might've looked or been totally different. And 10 years, 20 years from now, they might all be. And so when we go through a pivot, no matter what the pivot is, whether it's a life pivot or a faith pivot or a professional pivot, it just feels like you have to re-identify yourself on the other side of that. Because for some reason, we have this paradigm that identity is a constant thing when it is nothing but fluid. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. And I think such a great point that really those external descriptors, those are going to change. And that does not affect who we are at our core. Right. And so for me, like trying to figure out what are those core things, my pastor has said this thing a few times and I've just loved it. It's that the stories that we believe about ourselves shape the trajectory of our lives. And that is just such a powerful thing because if we are believing stories based on good or bad seasons, that'll really shape how we approach wherever we are. So for example, when I started a vinyl, I was the first female hired with a bunch of guys. And that was a totally new experience for me. And it was really fun, but it was really different. And one of the things that I had to figure out was what to wear to work because it was a very casual workplace. And up until that point, I'd always looked at the women around me to determine what I was going to wear on any given day. And I didn't have anybody. And so I, for the first time, was asking myself, well, what do I want to wear? And going, I have no idea. Because the story that I believed about myself was that I have no sense of style and I won't until I find a goal weight and that I should just try to fit in with whoever I'm with. And so changing that narrative, it was more than just figuring out what I was wearing. It was changing a narrative of, Like I know what I like and I wear clothes that make me feel great and I can just have permission to love what I'm wearing every day. That was huge. Yeah, that is so true. I absolutely believe that, that what we believe about ourselves, it determines our trajectory because it determines like the daily choices that we're making truly. And sometimes it is something like, what should I wear? Oh, but it's actually a bigger issue. And then sometimes too, I think that if you get a new vision for who you are, what your identity is, sometimes then the next step is like walking that out. What does that look like? For me, starting Sort of Awesome, I was actively trying to change the narrative I had believed about myself for a long time, that I was flaky, that I didn't follow through on things, that I gave up projects. And that hadn't always been true, but I really, really really believed that about myself. <laughs> this is episode 201. I know. Isn't that bananas? <laughs> what's so crazy is that you had a very successful blog for a long time too, you know? I did for eight years. And then I could do that on my own schedule. I was putting myself in a position where I was saying, I'm going to show up for this weekly. And I don't know. I cannot even explain. There was no like moment of clarity where I was like, I don't want to believe that story about myself anymore. But I did on some level want to believe that I could show up for something consistently. And so just putting one foot in front of the other and all of the hard work that has gone into that has really helped me then. 
it's kind of like one of those, I hate this phrase, but it's kind of like a fake it till you make it sometimes. Oh, it's true though. If, if you're looking for the evidence to support the new story and you find that there's actually quite a bit more evidence to that thing, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've been wearing the wrong narrative on my heart. I've been looking through the wrong lens as I approach this. I'm interested though. And for me, what's been so fascinating is now that I've changed my narrative, even just around clothing, like it changes what I buy, but it also changes how I interact with other women. I mean, are you seeing like for you, when you've shifted that narrative, are there more things you're willing to commit to? Yeah, I think so. I really do. I really do think so. If nothing else, it helped me to just shake free of the self-imposed label that I used way too much. And that was describing myself as a flake, even though there was actually evidence to the contrary in lots of ways. I was just like so entrenched in that, that now if I do have to pause and think, can I really commit to this? The idea of you shouldn't do that because you will flake out is not the first thing that comes to mind. It's more like, is this realistic? Is this a good fit? You know, like more sort of like rational questions that you should ask instead of like immediately having something shameful come to the surface. Yes, and that's the thing is that often these negative stories are just deeply tied to shame and maybe one instance that had a negative piece of evidence, but in fact, there's been so much more evidence to the contrary that we are willfully disregarding because we have this confirmation bias just for the terrible thing that we believe about ourselves. So true. Well, I know a big part of unlocking some of this stuff about identity and who you are is also really connected to your experience of the Enneagram. So let's talk Enneagram stuff. Oh my goodness. I love talking about the Enneagram. So let me tell you about discovering the Enneagram. So I was kind of on the front end of the current. I know the Enneagram has been around at least since the seventies, but people talk about it, you know, as this ancient thing. So it's hard to know the real history, but regardless, about seven years ago, a friend of mine was going through a divorce and she was seeing a counselor who specialized in Enneagram. And she shared it with me at a pretty significant pivot point for me. And at the same time, my pastor, my friend Nate Bebow, he was going through an Enneagram certification and becoming an Enneagram teacher. And so I've been really lucky to have very close access to an, a great Enneagram teacher in my regular life. And so I've spent a lot of hours learning about and studying and in workshops and reading about the Enneagram and just deeply trying to understand it. And it has absolutely changed the way that I experience the world. And I understand myself. And when we talk about identity being this thing that is constantly changing, it's also there are constants and those constants are really important to be able to anchor yourself to. So for me as an Enneagram 7, seeing that the things that I bring to a group might be different from those around me, but that I don't necessarily need to mute those things or dial them back because they're different, but that they might actually be more valuable because I might be the only person at the table with that perspective or that lens in the world. One of the things that I love about the way that my teacher approaches the Enneagram is that he charts it on a spider graph or a radar chart. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it kind of looks like a spider web. And so your number, like whatever your highest number is, will show a higher, like it'll be a bigger part of the chart. But often people will mistype when they take an Enneagram test. And what his approach is, is that sometimes those mistypes also carry validity because the Enneagram shapes your motivations and shapes your behaviors based on things you've learned as successful strategies in your youth. And so I'm very high in Enneagram 3 as well as Enneagram 7. I feel positive I'm in Enneagram 7, but I do catch myself doing some things that Enneagram 3s do. And the 7 isn't tied to 3. Right, on, not on connected at Enneagram all. Chart. Yeah. So rather than saying that that's not a valid thing for me, it's just part of what makes me unique. It's part of my identity. And so accepting that when I am in a new season, I'm very prone to assimilating to my environment. I'm very prone to trying to do whatever seems normal in this situation or seems like what's needed there. Like a three would, it's just for different reasons. It's just, you know, it's a strategy that I'm borrowing from the three. I remember a long, long, long time ago on Sort of Awesome when Lee Kramer was on, she talked about the Enneagram, the purpose ultimately being to integrate all of the Enneagram types. Yes. And that is totally true, right? Like if we can just learn the greatest strategies from each one, we can be a more holistic person. Yes. I think people do get so caught up in 
just like, well, I am like for me to say to myself, I'm a nine. It's almost like I've got to do what's expected of a nine sometimes. And that's not really ultimately the goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it might not even be normal for you. Like right. I'm a seven that gets stuff done because I'm an ENFJ too. Like that's yes. also true for me. And so not being stifled by the things that aren't true for you, that are typical for your type, you're giving yourself permission to be more than a number, but to be a person who primarily uses certain strategies Mm -hmm. for success in your life and primarily sees the world through certain lenses and being aware of that, you know, and in the stress of a pivot, being attuned to what your typical behaviors might be. So for me, like with my identity, finding that like, I bring a specific value to a lot of situations, lets me lean into that. But also when I am stressed, I will find myself just scrolling through Zulu looking for a tunic. (laughs) And prior to the Enneagram, I would have said, well, I just love to shop. But now I can acknowledge I love to numb pain and I'm experiencing pain. So I'm looking for a tunic to make me feel better. (laughs) Yes. Totally. And that's just not the way that I want to live my life, you know, I mean, it, then it isn't. <laughs> so, so just being able to like get that and also to see what other people need too. And when I understand their type and recognize those behaviors that might be indicative of a certain type, being able to be what they need in a new environment has been really, really awesome. I was working with a client yesterday who's an Enneagram 8 and my coworker said, doesn't he intimidate you? And I said, oh, yes. but. I know that what he wants is for me to be super direct and go toe to toe with him. So I do every week and he loves it. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It gives you so much freedom in understanding people and kind of gives you a map for like how to, you know, show up in the best way to communicate with this person. So, yeah, I love that. That is so amazing. I've been really a strong proponent for any time I'm working with a team. I've done this in my last two workplaces that we all have to take the Enneagram and What's awesome about the way that Nate assesses it is that with the radar chart, you can lay everybody's types on top of each other. So you can see everybody's strong numbers and what they're high in. So if like I'm high in seven, but I'm also high in three and eight. So I'm able to see that on the Enneagram, but I can see that the person who shares my office has totally different strengths and we can see where the gaps are on our team as well. And that to me too, is being able to work together and see how we fit, see what we bring to the table and see what other people need from us as well. It's been huge. Are you able to share with the awesomes about where we can find out more about what he has put together? Because this sounds incredibly helpful. We talk a lot about the Enneagram, but one of the biggest questions is always like, what do I actually do with this information? And it sounds like he's really constructed an assessment that helps us to, like you said, have a visual and have some guidance for what to do. Totally. Yeah, the assessment can find at enneagramassessment.com. And Nate also wrote a book called More Than a Number about this and about this approach. And he actually wanted to give a discount to the awesomes. His wife, Leah, is a regular listener. And oh, he was fun. so excited. Yeah. And he said, you're going to be on sort of awesome. Are you serious? <laughs> 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 so he is going to give the awesomes 10% off the book and 20% off the book and assessment bundle if they use the promo code awesome at enneagramassessment.com. Perfect. Well, you know, we will put that in the show notes and we will put it on our social media too so people can find it because it sounds incredibly helpful. And just like listening to you and what you've discovered about this is like, okay, I'm going to check this out. So (laughs) good stuff. Colleen, thank you so much for taking the time to really think through your story and think about how it, there are parts of your story that can meet someone where they are. One of the awesomes who's listening, I'm not sure that it's way more than one. Lots of us who are listening are thinking about how this applies to our lives. So thank you so much for taking the time to come and tell your story for the Sorta Awesome Stories series. Thank you so much for inviting me, Meg. It is a true honor. I love being an awesome and I'm so thrilled to share. Thank you. So you are very active in the Hangout group. And of course, you're in our Superstars group as well. Is there anywhere else on social media where we can track you down, look you up, see what you're doing, see where you work, all of those kinds of things? Yeah, so I am also on Instagram at Colleen T. Cook. And you can check out Vinyl Marketing at VinylMarketing.com. But Colleen T. Cook on Instagram is probably the place to find me if not in the Facebook Hangout groups, because pretty much all I'm doing on social media this day. (laughs) Me too. Well, except for my houseplants group. (laughs) 
Oh, yes, right. Yeah, maybe soon you'll find me there. Maybe I will bite the bullet and get a house plan on Amazon. Totally. And then you could put pictures of it on your Instagram. I will. I totally will. Maybe. Okay, I will do it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so funny. Okay, well, Awesomes, you know you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.